a question that can be really helpful when you're at that point where you don't know what to systemize next is if we had 50 new clients tomorrow, what would break first? So ask yourself that question. If we got 50 new clients tomorrow and a lot of people would go, oh, I'd love 50 new clients tomorrow. Would you really? If you had 50 new clients tomorrow, what would break first? Because I guarantee something would break. What we want to do as often as possible is to pull ourselves out of that machine and, and sit over the top of it, work on it to make that machine as efficient as possible at doing the thing that a business is supposed to do, which is produce profit for us. That fundamentally what a business should be. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, and joined by my lovely Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. Thanks for joining me today, Tim. Again, this is this is a good thing. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on a, what are we, we're actually a Wednesday afternoon, but for you guys who are listening in <laughs> as this episode is released, it could be Thursday, it could be Friday, it could be a Saturday morning walk, but uh, we're glad you're here and I uh, hope that you've been enjoying our little series on the, I thought it was 11, 11, 11 mistakes. 11 mistakes, yeah. 11 mistakes business owners make. We'd love to think it's only like one or two, but that's not the reality, is it, Sam? Well, I mean, the reality is it's probably thousands, but they do boil down into these ones. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just say, look, if it was a thousand, you probably wouldn't have gotten this far through. Exactly. That's exactly right. But today that's we were a, I think that's about... a good rule, actually. We talk What's about... That? We, well, you know, making things to seem too overwhelming to to you know mm. to your customers as well. When like when you go to your clients, you say, "Hey, let's look at the, you know, we've got this two thousand point checklist to understand whether your business is broken or not." <laughs> <laughs> no, or is it, is it a is it a five point checklist or a seven point checklist? And I think there's a, you know, as we've talked about before, there's a real skill in distilling down all the things that you might solve for your client into a couple of key things. That makes it seem, you know, less overwhelming. Hundred mm, percent. Right. People don't know what they don't know. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, today we're going to talk about systemization. I really enjoy this topic, and I'll tell you why. Um, and I was actually on a, a hike. Well, it was like a mastermind kind of hike last week, um, and I was chatting with uh, with one of the guys there, and I was saying what I find interesting is that so many entrepreneurs, business owners avoid systems because they feel like it traps them into something like when they were trapped in a job. But in actual fact, it's the systems that free you and that by adding systemization to your business, it will give you the freedom to be able to do other things. So a lot of times I see the very thing that people want is the very thing that they're avoiding. So yeah, that's true. why I love that's why I love systemization. Now, before we start a recording, you shared a really awesome story, which I really liked. That gives this topic context, um, yep. and I'd love I'd love you to share that. Well, I think it's this thing we, we talk about growth. I, I one thing that's sort of stuck in my head from Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad, which was you know one of my favorite books sort of growing up really weird that a business book was one of my favorite books 
after Uncle Scrooge, my, my golden book, uh, of course. Yeah. As entrepreneurs, I think we go through this this journey. It was is you know we we go from you know having a job to owning a job, and that's as far as a lot of people get. Right? You know, we've gone hate my boss, so I can do this better, uh, and then we we get into this position where we own the job that we have, and the only difference is you look at a different idiot back at you in the mirror every morning. (laughs) But the big transition, I think, to financial freedom that so many of us kind of got into business for, right, to be able to have the freedom of choice, the freedom of money, the freedom of Mm -hmm. location, all those sorts of things we got into Mm -hmm. business for, comes when we systemize, we make this jump from owning a job to owning a business. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I know we've had lots of conversations on this, Sam, but I've also been reflecting on it again lately to go, well, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Right? What does owning a business as opposed to owning a job actually mean? And this, I'll, I will share the story that I, I shared with you beforehand because I think it's a little bit like this, this journey we take of as entrepreneurs almost echoes the journey of humanity over the last couple hundred years. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you were a business owner back in the sort of 1600s, right, 17th century, pre-industrial revolution, you would have gone and sourced all your materials and you would have brought them back to your little workshop and you would have crafted and put this product together and you would have put your maker's mark into your piece of furniture or your silverware or your glass blowing or whatever thing or your painting or mm-hmm. whatever this thing there was that you created. Right. Then you Maybe you'd go with your apprentice to the markets in your best finery and you'd lay out your table and you would announce to all passers-by the value and incredible you know, awesomeness of the things that you had created. And hopefully someone would buy them. And then mm-hmm. you'd take your money and you'd go back and you'd repeat the process. All right. Now, along comes the Industrial Revolution. We go, hmm, there's got to be a more efficient way of doing this. So... We get a bunch of people together and we stick them in the same building and we get more people doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. With, okay, well, there's got to be a more productive way of doing this as well. And so what we do is we get specialists in particular roles. Right? So if mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, I'm going to hold it up here, my little Frank Green water bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, someone would create the lid and someone would create the straw and someone else would create the, you know, the, the canister that holds the water and away we go and each person down the line would you know do a different part of that process and then we worked out that okay maybe i've got this machine powered by this marvelous thing called steam <laughs> all right that would make part of that process more efficient and then in order to pass the work we created conveyor belts and that allowed us to increase the productivity as well and eventually we get to this point where the person sitting on the line moves to the control panel presses the start and stop button. And if you look at any of the kind of modern factory conveyor belt production processes, you can find them on YouTube if you want to go and have a look. I mean, they're super impressive, right? It's mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? producing massive amounts of output when a few hundred years ago, that would have taken someone two or three days to go and do. Mm-hmm. right? And it allows the business owner to move off the control panel onto the reporting desk to go, well, uh, how much are we outputting here? And that largely echoes the journey we take as entrepreneurs as well. When we start, we do everything. And eventually we get to the point where we're controlling it. And that's all about that systemization. Mm -hmm. Now, the challenge for us as entrepreneurs 
is that we really don't want to take 250 years to do it. Correct. Right? We want to get correct. (laughs) We want to compress that into a smaller time frame as possible, which allows us to make that jump as Kiyosaki talks about from owning a job to owning a business. Mm-hmm. Being and that's the person that looks at the reports. Being the person that looks at the reports. Okay. Uh, and ultimately that's the point. That's the thing we try that's the thing we're trying to do in our business. And that only comes when we put in systems. Mm-hmm. And the Industrial Revolution taught us a lot about production systems. Mm-hmm. How we produce a consistent outcome. Right? Like a cake, if you suddenly try and cook from a different recipe or don't use the different the same the same recipe each time, you'll get a different result each time. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, not great so, for your customers, right? <laughs> and that's what I was gonna say. It's not just I think a lot of people think systemization is just about saving time, but it's also about delivering consistent results as well. It's both. Yeah. What we want as business owners, I believe, is predictable. Mm-hmm. I want predictable. I can deal with predictable, mm-hmm. right? In all the other things that we deal with as entrepreneurs, most of what we deal with is is unpredictable. Yeah. Right? You know, and I'm sure there's no one on this podcast, you and I included, Sam, um, who have not had a sleepless night wondering where our next client is coming from. Oh, look, I just don't know what you're talking about, Tim. <laughs> Absolutely. Happens, because, right? because that's that's part of business. It And these moments happen and if we get it right they're moments that help us to understand we need to do something different right now that's right okay but if we develop systems in our sales and marketing in our product design and delivery and our customer retention process and how we administer our business everything suddenly becomes more predictable mm-hmm. more controllable right uh, with, with better expectations about what the future looks like. And that gives us the freedom to then make informed decisions and choice. Totally. That also gives us the ability to make something better. Unless we have the data in the first place, we actually can't make something better. We can't refine and make things even more predictable. That mm. needs to happen with the data in the first place. Well, you were talking about um, just pre our call that you're working on some of your lead magnets in that mm-hmm. you have. Okay. So lead magnet, you've seen them. It's an ebook, it's a white paper, it's a downloadable something. You know, it's that ethical bribe that we give away to to prospects in exchange for their details. Right. Mm-hmm. You've made some mm-hmm. changes to it. Mm-hmm. You've got a process I know where you have the lead magnet and the follow-ups in your entreport system to mm-hmm. go and deliver the same result each time. Mm-hmm. You made some changes to one of yours. Mm-hmm. And a broke. <laughs> Did and broke. it broke. <laughs> right. And predictably, but you know it's broken because you've got a baseline of what that system produced in terms of leads previously. Correct. Thankfully, oh my goodness, imagine if you didn't actually go in to collect data the, the, the way that we did and that wasn't working for months and months and months and you didn't even realise. Like that to me, oh, that makes me feel sick. We were able to pick it up because we do go in and collect the data regularly and straight away I was like, oh, something's wrong. No, at the time I didn't know what was wrong. I could just tell from the data that something was wrong. It only took us about 10 minutes to figure it out, but we were able to figure it out really quickly and, of course, get it up and running as quickly as possible. 
That's right. That's a little micro example, you know, a bigger macro example. I have another client where one of the first things we've done is actually look at the number of leads, you know, website visits, leads, conversions, inquiries, and, and sales, and so on. And we were noticing a drop in sales, drop in inquiries, drop in website visits, despite the fact we were doing some other marketing things. We're like, what's mm-hmm. going on with this? Mm-hmm. Right? That allowed us information to drill down into the system to discover that their Google ads have been turned off. Uh huh. Yeah. Right? Because we hadn't so done you, a, if- a new validation step. And I'm going, okay, well, what's missing in this process that's causing us to drop in sales? Mm-hmm. Imagine if we weren't um, paying attention to the data. That's something that may never, ever have been picked up. That's that's why we need systems in place. So I think that there's four overarching areas where we need to look at systemization. You've talked about the first couple. That's leads. It's your marketing. It's how you bring leads into your business. Number two is sales. How do you convert those uh, prospects to paying clients? Then, then there is deliverables and operations. Now, each of those four areas breaks down further and further and further. But what I would 100% recommend is you starting with those headings, start to have a look at what are the processes in your business under each of these headings and start to have a look at the different areas that you could systemize. What can you do to create a system or a process so that you can A, collect the data and B, ensure that you get predictable results. Yeah. Where do you, I'm going to ask you this question. If you hadn't systemized your business, which I know mm-hmm. you have, right? You've done that massively as a vine. But if you had to start yes. from scratch, yep. which of those four areas would you look to systemize first? Leads. Interesting. Why do you say, <laughs> why do you say leads? I'll tell you why, because if I'm starting from scratch, the way that I've taken that question is I currently have no clients. So if I don't have money coming in, I yet don't have a business until I have money coming in. The other thing is, is that it's very hard to systemize something that you don't know how it's going to work yet. So you kind of, in regards to your operations and your deliverables, I mean, apart from we know that every quarter we need to submit a BAS, you know, if you're in Australia, some sort of tax um, compliance, those kind of things we know that we have to do. But other than that, we don't know what the other systems and processes are going to look like yet. So I see a lot of people going in and saying, well, let's create a system, but it's not tested. We haven't actually done it yet. So yeah, without a doubt, I don't even have to think about it. It would definitely be leads. Okay, let's let's pose this in a different way then. Uh, say you do have uh-huh. some business coming in. Yep. It might be sporadic, right? Um, you know, you, you're taking out a bit of money for yourself and it's all looks good, uh-huh. but you still haven't systemized everything in the uh-huh. thing. What would you do? What would you uh, do next? We've started that. Okay, so if I had money coming in, I've got some leads coming in, so obviously there's some sort of flimsy some system, sort of <laughs> some sort of flimsy process. I'm guessing then we also have some sort of flimsy sales process. It would actually be, oh, and you're putting me on the spot here. It would, actually, it would actually be in um, delivering my product to make sure I've got consistency in my product. Yeah. 
I look to me, that's that's one that I hear a lot of. You know, if you've got some business coming in, systemize the delivery because if you start to massively scale, you you might have some trouble actually kind of then delivering consistent results. Yeah, totally. And that's what so. your business needs. That's your reputation. Um, a question that can be really helpful when you're at that point uh, where you sort of don't know what to systemize next. I think the question, a really good question to ask is, if we had 50 new clients tomorrow, what would break first? <laughs> and that will take your brain exactly to the right place. <laughs> so ask yourself that question. If we got 50 new clients tomorrow, and a lot of people would go, oh, I'd love 50 new clients tomorrow. Would you really? If you had 50 new clients tomorrow, what would break first? Because I guarantee something would break. Oh, absolutely. I'd love 50 new clients tomorrow. I think we all would, wouldn't we? 50 new clients tomorrow would be great. Well, unless I was a supermarket, I'd probably go 50 new clients would be like, nah, that's just a Saturday morning. <laughs> but you know what we're talking about. Asking yourself the right questions will help you to see where the gaps are and where you, where you need to go next to set up your next system. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one. I um, I've got a little model I've kind of drawn in my in my book, and 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 that story about the industrial revolution is one that I I talk about in my <laughs> I will call it out soon to be released book. <laughs> soon might be cosmically speaking, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Um, which which sort of talks about you know what's the purpose of our business? We're talking, you know, Sammy. You, I think you rightly drew out the fact that we need to kind of get out of the doing and on into the on more often. Hundred percent. That a business has has really two functions, right? It has a bunch of inputs that come in one end of this black box that we call a business. And there are two outcomes. One of those outcomes serves us and that is profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think that's the real purpose, right? A purpose of a business is to produce profit for the owner. Mm -hmm. If it's not doing that, it's not doing our purpose. I don't care whether you're producing amazing outcomes for your customers. If it is not producing profit for you as the owner, it is not serving its purpose. Mm -hmm. That's the first outcome that I want to see for a business. The second outcome I want to see is customer outcomes that they want to talk about and repeat and repeat, okay? So that they go back into the front of the machine, the business machine. But inside that black box, it's dark, it's grimy, there's lots of cogs and moving parts. We get in there and sometimes we feel like we're getting chewed up. Mm -hmm. Getting stuck in the cog. Dark in the cogs. It's horrible, Okay. What we want to do as often as possible is to pull ourselves out of that machine and, and sit over the top of it, right? work on it to make that machine as efficient as possible at doing the thing that a business is supposed to do, which mm. is produce profit for us. Mm -hmm. right? That fundamentally describes for me anyway, what a business should be. Mm, I think that's a really great metaphor. Apart from the fact I'm very visual and that was very painful for a minute. <laughs> um, that is 100% true. true. Being in business can be yeah. painful at times. Absolutely can be painful at times. And we do feel like that. We do feel chewed up, not knowing where the next thing comes in, reactive and, and responsive to whatever's mm -hmm. going on, right? We do come out a bit mm -hmm. battered mm -hmm. and bloody at times. But we want to get out of that situation. And we can only do that when we look at how do I systemize those four parts of the business that, that you you drew out. Totally. And systems, it can be automations. I think a lot of people get automation and systemization a little bit confused. Um, so a system is just making sure that you've got 
we do step A, then we do step B, then we do step C. It could be a piece of technology, it could be a person, it could be a mixture of both, but all we're doing is creating a consistent and reliable, um, I guess, conveyor belt. Yeah. Is that repeatable outcome? Yeah. So so definitely take a take some time out to work on your business and, and look at those headings of the leads, sales, deliverables, which is anything that you need to do to deliver to someone that's paid you for a product or a service, and then operations, which is your, your HR, your finances, um, anything you need to be able to run your business. And just start to brainstorm what all those processes are and you'll start to get a feeling like use your, your a mixture of your intuition and your data to know where to go next, where to t- spend your time to uh, create the next system. Absolutely. And of course, if you are stuck and need help with that, reach out to Sam or I and we'd be happy to sort of um, jump on a call, see if we can help you come up with a plan and, you know, and maybe even execute it. Absolutely. You can find all of our socials down below, whether you're listening on the app, on the website. So it's easy to just hit a button and connect with us. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that you got something super valuable or at least got that light bulb going, ah, that's what I need to do next, because that's what we're here for, to make sure that your business is profitable and fun. Systems actually help take away as much pain as possible. Not all the pain, but as much pain as possible. Thanks for hanging out with me today, Tim. Thank you. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Influence by Design. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.